Uh, I am thrilled today and honored to introduce to you some special guests we have today. I'm going to ask Taylor and Micah, you're sick to join me on stage. They are missionaries to Peru. Can you give them a big, big welcome to D.C.? Come on, guys. Come and join us on stage. As they come, I will give you a little background. They are, Micah is, is uh, the, she's from here. She's actually born in Joplin. Because she didn't know that. She was actually born in Joplin. And uh, her parents were some of my wife and I's dearest best friends uh, in our college years and early on in ministry. And uh, so it's exciting to see what God's doing in your life. I want to just, can I just share that quick story? Because I've been telling them, okay. Because I told her this a couple years ago when we reconnected. I, uh, several years ago, I was, uh, we were newly married and I, children was the furthest thing from my mind. I know you have a hard time believing that now that I have five kids, but at one time I wasn't thinking anything about having kids and I was over visiting uh, these friends of ours and they had a six month old baby in the bed asleep and she woke up while we were over to visit and he said, why don't you go get her out of the bed, Gene? And so I walked in to get there and it was this blonde headed girl with hardly any hair with the biggest blue eyes you'd ever seen and she reached up to me and the bug reached out and got me and from that point on, that's when the baby bug hit me. So. My kids can thank Micah here for that. Anyway, we are thrilled to have you today. I love your mom and dad. And of course, Taylor, always a good chance to meet you. Last time we got a chance to meet you. And I'm so excited about the call of God on your life. You guys are answering the call to say yes to Peru and other mission fields that God is leading you to. Uh, so just give us an update of what God's doing in the mission field you guys are working on and what God's using you guys do and doors that are opening up. Yeah, so... Um I'll go ahead and take this if you don't mind. Um, they, you know what, from the very beginning, uh, God definitely had a plan for the Peruvian Amazon. And we know Hillary and Adai, they, they work in Brazil and they're our next door neighbors. Um, but there is definitely a definitive plan for what God has. And it was very unique when he first called us. Um, it was, uh, we thought we were going to reach the entire Amazon rainforest. Of course we would. That's our, we're young, we're like ready to go. And uh, we're evangelists, and we're like, we're going. And God actually told us from the very beginning, he said, no, you're, I'm calling you to 30 people. How many know that's the heart of the Father, right? To call two California kids all the way to the Peruvian Amazon. And if, if you think I like bugs, I don't. My wife doesn't either. Um, and we go to the Peruvian Amazon, and God calls us for several years to 30 people. And I want to I kind of share that right now just real quick. And I might, I might blow your minds a little bit, but this blew my mind when I heard it. Did you know that we are one generation away from reaching the entire world for Christ? And what it takes is 10, we're 10 people away. If every single Christian just reached 10 people and taught those 10 people to reach 10 people, in one generation, we would see the whole world know Christ. So the scale from what we see of, you know, our, our mindset was thousands, millions, and that's in our destiny, I know. Um, but it's, but God showed us this, to scale down, focus on 10 and he gave us 30, cherish the 30. And so what we saw from there was just complete open heaven. Right when we walked into the tribe, uh, there's just a story. We're on the river. We see these little kids playing along the river bank. And we said, God, Holy Spirit just said there, just go there. And we walked out. And then first thing God did was, you know, put us in this situation where we're encountered with the tribe and we weren't really even thinking tribal ministry at the time. 
and God said, um, <clears throat> he basically led us to this tribe, and uh, right when you get there, they know they have no grid for the gospel, obviously, nothing at all. And so what do we have? We have the kingdom of God, and we have his power, right? So first thing we could do was just missionaries, obviously, say, bring us your sick. Well, the first people that came to us were two men that were each blind in one eye. I think my wife and I, in that moment, we were thinking, can we get a stubbed toe first? You know what I mean? Like something a little less than the blind. But you know what? Hey, we believed we were ready to go, and uh, we saw blind eyes healed. And from that moment, there's just been a complete, just beautiful open heaven over what he's doing in these tribes and these areas. And I think that, um, I mean, it's just... God's, God's opening the doors and, and just understanding the heart of the Father. And that's what people in the U.S., I just say, it's like, if you don't think God sees you in your prayer closet, I'm here to tell you, if he sees the tribe under the thick canopies of the animals on Rainforest and called two kids from Cali to go minister and give everything to them, that's what the Lord said, give everything to them, he sees you. Okay? So, yeah. Hopefully I answered that. I don't know. I went on a tangent, but probably will again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we do have a video, actually. I think that's good. Let's, let's go ahead and show the video. And this, so, this way you guys can see kind of the field and the tribes and stuff like that. So. What we saw down there when we went into this one tribe was just the neglect that the surrounding cities are giving towards them. Um, even the national government uh, is abusing these people. Our hope is that you have a city like Iquitos and those surrounding villages where it's so broken, so poor, the mindset is, you know, stuck on poverty. And for us, there's no greater place to go just to turn that city into a beacon for Christ to where the government has to recognize the change economically and uh, even within the city culture itself you know, where they're realizing what is the difference? Why is Iquitos on the rise? And there's only gonna be one, one answer and that's Jesus. She says that in her dream, she was in this place walking. So she um, looked up in heaven and she, she sees God descend, descend from heaven to this place. Okay, come on. Wow. In order to fulfill a commission as great as making disciples of an entire people group of this Amazon jungle people groups that are unreached and underreached. To be able to fulfill a commission as great as making them disciples of Jesus, it takes everything. For us to be able to constantly live in a place of radical obedience, of never being able to have a moment where there is a no inside of us, it takes everything in us saying yes and it takes for us to be able to be willing to pay the ultimate price that would even be our lives for these people to know Jesus it takes everything 
and they're so worth it because Jesus gave everything for them to know him. Awesome. Uh, Micah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your testimony, about God, how God laid this country on your heart, this place, this region on your heart, and, and yeah. what God's doing through you. So, um, so I'm cradle Christian. For those of you cradle Christians, where it's like we have the boring testimony. <laughs> and um, Taylor was, he was, you know, had the, the cool testimony, and he was in a motorcycle club. And so... Um, so anyways, my parents, um, they came to Joplin to answer the call of God. And I want to share, I want to throw this in there because um, whenever you guys came to visit in the hospital, um, I was actually, my testimony begins that I was healed of polycystic kidney disease and six toes on one foot in my mom's belly. And so um, I just feel like that I've just known the presence of the Lord my whole life. And I'm just, you know, just so blessed by that. And really, I have always known that I was called to be a missionary. And so you parents out there that if you have your kids that, that they're already telling you that, that they're called to be a pastor or a missionary, believe them. Because <laughs> I really didn't know. And um, I really didn't have some great like vision or I just have always known in my spirit that that's what I was supposed to do. Um, and anyways, it wasn't until Taylor and I got married, um, I was 19, we gave God our yes. And so we gave God what Taylor says, don't give God your sure, give God your yes. And so we went and took an intentional step of obedience and we went to Bible college and we just were like running after God. We were, you know, reading books. We were, you know, street evangelizing. We were seeking God. We were always seeking God. Like, where are we going to go? Like, I think that a lot of people, that if you feel a call of God on your life, it's like scary to seek him. It's kind of like one day he'll just come right on the wall. It's like, no, you can actually seek God and he will speak to you. Yes. And that's the risky part of it. And faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So that's where we started as we just began to seek God. And in the three, um, over a period of three years, finally, Taylor got a vision of Peru. <laughs> and so we, and then this is a really good little part of the story where you guys can gleam Um because there, we then partnered with the word. And we went in faith. And guess what? He didn't tell us where to go in Peru. So we just Googled, where's the worst place in Peru? <laughs> and we were like, oh, the Amazon. Like, there's people have never heard the gospel. Like, that's just where we're going to go. And we went on a pioneer trip. We bought our tickets. Um, we, we Googled different people. We reached out to different people. We beat the streets, basically, Okay. And um, God actually led us to a website from um, Heidi Baker's missionary, and she was out there, and the website does not exist. But we found the website, and the missionary that we reached out to, she said, I don't know how you guys found this. This website no longer exists. I have been off of the field for years, but God just spoke to me the night before that he's going to use me to bring missionaries back into that area. And so she gave us all of her connections, and then... Whenever we show up in Peru, we are like, what do we do? And I think that I want to share this because that's kind of what it looks like to answer the call of God, you guys. Um, it's very much a pioneer partnership, leap of faith process. 
And, um, and there is divine appointments as you give him those leaps of faith. In the tribe, it was a divine appointment. And God did set it up. And I will just say in, in finishing this, and that's where I want to share that the divine, the divine part of it, the sovereign part of it, is that the tribe, God really did choose them. They really, and they're strategic. They speak English and they speak their tribal language. Now we have access. Yeah, Spanish. Now they have, but now we have access to all these other unreached tribes that we would never have been able to get to without them because they speak the language. So anyways, we get there. The blind eyes are opened. We cast out demons. The chief throws his drugs in the river. You know, everyone gets baptized. And, um, you know, the witch doctor gets saved. So it's like, ah. okay, so then what happens is like, we're, we're going to leave and we're like, okay, we have to just, you know, continue to come back and forth and disciple and God's going to help us. And the chief sister before we leave, um, and remember they have no grid for the gospel. And you can see that in the video, right? Whenever we're praying for them, the first time that we're praying for them, their eyes are wide open. They have, they don't know how to pray. They don't know about Jesus, the, the Bible, the chief sister, she says, you know, hermana, um, I had a dream that, you know, before you guys came, that there was a man dressed in all white and that we are walking on streets of gold and that he took me into a room. And in this room, um, there was a really, really big table. And on this table, there was a really, really big book Remember that first song that we sang this morning? And in that book, the man showed me where my name was written in it. And I just say that to say that God has sovereign, divine appointments. I couldn't strive for that, right? right. I couldn't, I didn't get that girl saved. That was a God perfect setup moment. And so just through the process of taking leaps of faith, giving him our intentional obedience, taking some risk and seeking him, then God had those perfect setups for us along the way. That is so awesome. I love hearing that story um, because I believe that so many of us are so, we always want to disqualify ourselves. You know, I'm going to realize it's just not about us, is it? It's not about us. It's about us saying yes. It's about yes. Many times we want to disqualify ourselves. I know, uh, Taylor, you could disqualify yourself. You, t- you shared a little bit of your testimony with me. They have opposite testimonies. She was raised in the church and in, in, in pastor's homes. And, and, and then Taylor was a heathen. He said 18. Tell, tell a little bit of your story. 18, I joined a biker gang, did every yeah. drug possible. So, yeah, yeah I, was, I was into drugs and all that. And then at 18, I joined a, a 1% motorcycle club and uh, was getting ready to full patch in. And just saw a lot, and I just knew it was the I just knew it was the Lord. You know, before that, I was going to the military. I was I was called to be a Marine. I thought, um, and then I got arrested and went to jail for actually. I'm going to honestly say I didn't do the crime. Okay, <laughs> I did not do it, sure. but I got arrested anyways. Uh, basically, they, they you know I was a young kid. They scared me into a plea deal. I took the plea deal, and then long story short. That booted me out of the Marines, but I was going in more of on a suicidal mission. I wasn't going for suicide, but I was like, I don't care what happens. Just put me in there, coach, kind of thing. And um, I just knows the Lord's plan for my life. And then the motorcycle club happened and, and just saw a lot. And then um, I actually broke my back. 
uh, had several surgeries on it. And um, when it's, you know, I was kind of arrogant in the, back in the day, you know, I was a young kid. But it's hard to be arrogant when you can't walk. You know what I mean? So uh, I remember just crying out to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, if you're real, because I was an atheist. I was like, if you're real, then you know what? I'm going to make this deal. I'm going to go to church every Sunday. And that's my end of the bargain. And you show me that you're real. So I started going to church. And then also I prayed for a wife. I said, I can't do this alone. And that, but that moment, it was an honest prayer. I said, I am too, I got too much heathen in me still. And I need a wife that's strong in you. And um, so I prayed for a wife and I just was going to church and long story short, uh, woke up one morning crying. I don't know if any men had back pain. It's so frustrating. It'll bring a grown man to tears. And I remember just rolling around thinking I can't make it this Sunday. And the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, but you promised. That Sunday I rolled out, went to church and that's where I connected with Micah. And then we've hung out every day since and got married three months later. So um, that's just a little bit of me, yeah. And I'll say, too, because I kind of made myself sound so perfect, okay? <laughs> so um, whenever we met, it was like a perfect kind of God's grace and mercy, you know, helping us to get on track together because I was actually kind of running from the call of God on my life, you know, to be a single woman and to go to the mission field. I was like, ah, and I wasn't doing it, and I was scared, And I was also just kind of in distraction and just kind of trying to chase other things and find importance and validation and other things. And I wasn't just giving him my full yes. And whenever Taylor and I got, I still loved God. You know what I mean? So who knows that you can run from God and still love God? (laughs) So I wasn't like really radical in there yet, but God was so merciful that through us coming together and Taylor was kind of new in his walk with God and I was kind of being squirrely and not fully giving him my yes. It was like, it was messy, but it was like so full of God's mercy at the same time. And so you can answer the call of God and give him your yes in a way that's kind of messy. And God can still work it out if he knows like your heart of hearts. Do you know what I mean? If he knows your heart, it's like he's going to, I used to be so afraid that I'm missing, I'm missing everything of God's will for my life. I'm messing it all up. And then I learned that it's like, it is true that if you just acknowledge God in all of your ways, he will make your path straight. So even in the messiness of your fear, of your heart, continue to acknowledge him. And I prayed too. I remember going to college. I was going to college and I I knew I wasn't supposed to. And I was just like crying out to God. And I was like, God, help me. Like, you know, bring me like the right man of God. Like help me to be on the right track. And I was praying those prayers like on the wrong track. And so, yeah, it was messy, but God's mercy helped us to get through it and get on the right track. I love that. I I think one of the biggest challenges for anybody who maybe feels the call to missions work or a call uh, to anything like that, that we just don't want to miss God's will. And I think we, we always think, you know, I don't want to miss God's will. I want to hit God's will. And we pray for it. And maybe we have a vision for Peru, but how do, how, do we, how do we get from A to B? How do we get there, you know? And I think, I think one of the things, the biggest thing is you keep hitting on today that we've got to realize it's the simple yes. It's the everyday yes that gets me eventually to where God wants me to be. It's the everyday yes that God, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a missionary here in my local area, in my local school, in my local community. 
I'm going to be missionary here. And then as you, I say yes to that, God begins to open up other doors that will eventually lead you to where you need to be. And I, I know that's kind of your attitude. Not only are you doing things in Peru, but you're also doing things here. God's opened up some doors. Tell us about what God's doing in the schools. You guys have had a chance to go in and do some rallies in schools. Tell us about that as well. Yes. So we've actually, so we're kind of missionary evangelists. We spend six months overseas, six months here in the States. And, um, you know, how many know the missionaries? We're all missionaries, right? Right. We're everywhere. Whenever our feet are planted, we are to be, you know, reaching people. And uh, God actually spoke to us about high school ministries. And this is something that we've been doing for several years now. And, um, We've seen just God move in such a sovereign way. I, and I think he's really highlighting the youth, obviously, in this season, you know, with the revival that's going on right now, um, that, that there is a pivotal moment for the youth. And what we've seen in 18 events, uh, what were the numbers, Micah? It was like 18 events we had. Uh, do I have the numbers up there or no? I think I did. I think it's like 20,000 or 18,000 people have heard the gospel. But I think there's been like 4,000 salvations uh, within these high schools. And we're talking high schools that, yeah, you can give that a round of applause. It's absolutely amazing. Um, so what we're seeing is, is for us, we go in and we use the Christian club on campus. And, and for us, we like to give them the, you know, teachings on, you know, praying for the sick and, and uh, you know, how to, how to give a word of knowledge, you know, in the right way. And we just give very thorough teaching and all these things because they can, they, if you're giving teaching, if you don't give teaching, you can get messy, right? So we give good teaching to students. I mean, 17, 18 year olds, we're giving this teaching to. And what we've seen, you know, one cool testimony I'll share out of many is um, on a high school campus, there's this football player and uh, he had broken his leg and he was supposed to be out for four more weeks. Well, these Christian students, and we weren't even there. Uh, we just heard about it through the grapevine. And these Christian students, we always said, if you see a person in a cast, don't let them get away without prayer. Well, they took it to heart. And they saw this kid with the cast. They prayed for him. And then he ended up sawing his cast off in class, like spent all class periods sawing this cast off. And then he was completely healed. And he went back to the, the football, you know, he went back to the football coach and said, coach, I'm good to go. And he's like, no, man, you're supposed to be up for four more weeks. He's like, no, these Christians came. They prayed for me. I'm better now. So the whole talk around this high school was the Christians, you know, pray for this kid, and he was healed. And they literally saw the kid walking around with no crutches. So you couldn't deny that, right? So God's just been moving. I mean, we're talking high schools. It blew our minds when we first went on these high school campuses. There are kids that don't know who Jesus Christ is in America. And if they do know him, the majority think of him as Santa Claus, and that's just not something that we could, that sits good with us. We can't allow that. So that's why we try and, you know, bring the kingdom of God to these high school campuses and, and host his presence there. So we've just seen amazing things. And, um, and he just continues to show up. Yeah, the harvest is ripe. And I'm just so happy to see what's going on in the, in the college campuses right now. It's just amazing. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that. So, Micah, what would you say to maybe some of the... Uh, young ladies in, in the house. Maybe they're in high school, early college, and they're there, and, and they're struggling to find their place to the Lord. They, they know, like, I, I, want, I want God's best, but I also want to make sure I don't miss out on life and the fun, and, or maybe they're, they're battling something else. Maybe they're battling uh, self-image. Maybe they're battling something in, in their spirit. Uh, what would you say to those young ladies today as they're saying yes to God and growing in God and just learning to that he is their father? Um, I would just say that, you know, the, the devil is the father of lies, and he is also so incredibly good at distracting us, and he will just 
distract you and make you to obsess over things that don't even matter and you don't even really care about it. And one thing that I finally realized is to these maybe women, um, you know, of all ages is that, is that I think that I had to come to a, a point where I realized that I love God and I will not be happy doing anything else other than his will for my life. And you just need to come to terms with that, like deep inside of yourself. It's like, maybe the grass is greener. Maybe I want to chase after this. Maybe, and then you have to just realize that. Girl, if I do that, I'm going to be so, I will not be able to live with myself because I know that there's a call of God on my life. And so, you know, just know that God's will for you, the call of God, you know, his plan, like, that is what you want. That is what you want. Everything else, it's a distraction. It's a lie of the enemy. And he's just trying to make you to, he's lying to you. And so just remember that, okay, what do I actually want? What's going to actually make me happy and fulfilled? God's will. Following God. Seeking his, his kingdom first above all else. And it really is true that all the other things, they get added. So whenever I ever start to get into like a distraction spiral, because I still do even answering the call of God, is I just begin to go, I am going to seek God's kingdom first until it becomes my number one priority and until all of my values are in check with what God's values are. And I'll realize that if I'm starting to feel unhappy or distracted, it's usually because my values are starting to get out of check. And I'm, value, I'm valuing things that are not supposed to be on my value list. It's, a, it's not in God's priorities for me. And then so sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to do a social media fast, delete social media for a week. You know, I need to do a little, I need to do a little consecration time and just get focused back up. And yeah, I think that's just a part of the walk is the ups and downs aren't like this. They're like this <laughs> and reconsecrate and get back on track and seek first the kingdom. So, yeah. That's good. Uh, Taylor, what would you say to the guys in the house today that maybe were in your place, that maybe they're here because they're here with their girlfriend, they're here because their wife drug them, or mom invited them to come, and maybe they're still in that place where they're doubting whether God is real, or, you know, maybe they're, they're like, I, I know I need to get serious, but I'm going to wait until I'm older and I get married. Well, what would you say to those guys who are, are putting off or just yeah. questioning? Um, well, if you're here with a girl that dragged you to church, marry her. <laughs> um, no, seriously, though, that's, that's a good woman, all right? Uh, I, you know what? I think that, you know, coming from a guy who didn't believe at all, um, and then, you know, completely having a answer the call moment three months after I was baptized. It's the process. It, we have to open our minds to receive. And I think that's the biggest hurdle that guys have. A lot of guys, they, they're very uh, logical. You know, you'll see that, you know, we don't operate much out of emotion. We operate out of logic and, and we try and use all these things to discern whether is God real or is he not. And when you're pursuing God, you have to understand that you will never fit God inside of your comprehension and brain. Never, okay? So you have to accept that and come to terms with that. But you also, you know, the Bible says, seeking you shall find. And I think that it's, we forget that it's seeking. 
there's, there's, there's an act that we have to do. It's not, you know, I'm just going to sit here until God, until God shows up. That's, that's, not, that's not what we're talking about. Seeking means, you know, if you're going to pursue a, a woman or a female, you're going to put in the work and the time and the effort, right? Because it's a courtship. And that's what I think God wants to bring us men into is courtship with him. You know, so I would say, you know, open your mind to receive that when it says seeking you shall find it, Get into, get into the Bible. Just start somewhere. Me, it was, me, it was uh, I'm just going to go to church on Sundays. From going to church, I felt like, hey, they all kind of know a little bit more than me. Maybe I'm going to read up on some scripture and kind of feel like more of a, you know, get understanding a little bit more. Then from reading the word, I start to underst- understand more about the Father and who he is. And then I start to see, oh my gosh, the church, it's, you know, the people in the church, you know, me included, you know, we, I don't know the better word, but we're terrible compared to the father. We cannot judge the father off of his children, right? You know, if I, if my, if my kids were, you know, doing a going craziness, I, you can't judge me off that. That's not, Hey, they got, they're grown. They got a mind of their own. So that's what we have to understand is that for us, be open to receive, be open to receive his love. You know, God is love. A lot of men, we come up with a strong, you know, found, you know, hey, we're, you know, we're not letting anybody in. Let him in yeah. because he's going to change your life forever. I didn't think I'd live till 20, 22. I'm 30. You know, that my, I speak, spoke that over my life for years. I won't live past 22, yada, yada, yada. Here I am. God will change your life. He will bring you a family. He will bring you a, a wonderful wife. So men, I say, put, put down your guard for a second and let Jesus in. Put down your guard. You don't, you don't, with him, you can be you. You don't have to put on a tough guy persona. Just let him in. Cry. Let it happen. Just do it. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I want to take time just to pray today and uh, just let the Holy Spirit continue to do what he wants to do in this service. And I kind of just get you to bow your heads for a minute. While, while you bow your heads, I want to ask you, if you're here and say, Pastor, I, boy, they're speaking right to me. I, I was that person. I was that person raised in church, but yet I've been I've just been wondering, God, when? And I've been wondering, God, how? I've just been so confused about giving my life and surrendering my life fully to Jesus. Afraid maybe I was going to miss out. Or maybe you're here. Maybe you're that man that was here that Taylor was talking about. You've been coming for a while, and, and uh, you're just like, I've been holding back, I've been holding back, I've been holding back. And today I'm ready just to open up my heart and my mind to Jesus. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, we, w- we won't do anything. We're not going to single you out. We're not going to embarrass you, I promise you. But we want to make sure you have a chance to make a life decision today that's going to be so important in putting first Jesus in your life. The Bible says how we do that is put our faith in the finished work of the cross, that we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and for the sins of the world on the cross, that he was buried and resurrected on the third day, that he is the Son of God. If you believe that he truly is the Messiah and you're ready to surrender your life to him and you have never done that without anybody looking at me, can you just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor, I'm ready to do that? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else want to join them today? Yes, I see those hands. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, raise it right now if that's you. Yeah, thank you. I see those hands, guys. This is what I want you to do. If you raised your hand, I want you to say this prayer out loud with me. Christians around you, we'll help you along as well. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will follow you in Jesus' name.